to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. We are in a series this month called Support Systems. How many people in here need support? You know that you need uh, support. And so uh, if you're taking notes, the, the title of today's message is Remain in Community. Remain in community. Community is actually very, very important. It's how societies thrive. When it comes to us being believers, uh, the, the community of believers is very, very important. This is where we strengthen each other. This is where iron sharpens iron. This is where uh, uh, we come together, not only on a weekly basis, uh, 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 Sunday to Sunday, but we want to really uh, galvanize people to come into community uh, in groups as well. And so Embassy City Places is our endeavor to do that. When we uh, started this church, we knew community was going to be very, very important. And we also knew that this, is, uh, this was going to be a Metroplex church. How many, how many of you all are driving more than 20 minutes to get to this church? Okay. A lot of people in, in this room. So uh, uh, we knew this was going to be a Metroplex church, and so Embassy City Places is one of the things that we're launching to make sure that people feel like no matter how far you drive, I live in Denton, okay? That's my drive. Thank you, Jesus. Okay? I get a lot of time with the Lord on the way to being in the presence of the Lord, okay? Um, uh, uh, we wanted to make sure that there were uh, areas uh, and people around uh, where we could have community. We are going to be opening our home as an embassy city place uh, in the next month or so as we launch what we're doing. So if you live in that area, uh, you'll get our address, but please make sure you live in that area. <laughs> if I find out you live in Cedar here, you were like, we were just in the neighborhood. I'm going to be like, you're nosy. Go back that way. Um, but but this, is, this is something that I really want people to be a part of, but community is actually very, very important. The context of this, of this message, though, uh, is to tell you about uh, uh, the type of people and the type of behavior that ruins community. Uh, uh, how many people come from a family where you have that one family member that every other family member tells you, don't be them? <laughs> a- anybody got that type of family member beside me? They're like, listen, don't be your Uncle Willie. Don't be like him, right? Don't be Aunt Sharon. It's amazing it's never in the immediate family. They don't tell you, right, right, don't be your dad, right, right, don't be your mom. They they always try to distance it a little bit. Uh, I want to talk to you about some people uh, that that absolutely ruined community. And they ruined community uh, in the same way we can ruin ourselves uh, uh, as individuals. There's only three sins uh, uh, and portals to sin, uh, and that is lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. The subcategories of that are endless, but, but there's only three points uh, and three entryways uh, to all sinful behavior. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It can ruin an individual's lives, but it can also have an effect on community. Uh, and I want to show you some people, it's actually four people in fact, uh, that actually uh, uh, these three things, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, actually helped to ruin uh, and affect uh, their communities. Point number one, please write this down. I told you I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture, and you're going to deal with it. 
Um, <laughs> we, we are going to read the entire chapter uh, of seven in Joshua. It's the first place that we're going. And if you're taking notes, uh, the first point is don't be Achan. I'm going to read you an account. <laughs> and after I read this, I could actually just move on to point two. I, I, I don't even have to elaborate on it, but I'm going to a little bit. But don't be Achan. Here's what it says in uh, chapter number seven, starting at the first verse. But, and I want you to pay attention to how this is contextualized. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. I want you to notice, it says Israel violated. The instructions about the things that, set, that were set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan did it. <laughs> but he's angry with everybody now. Achan was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out a town called Ai. They had just whooped Jericho soundly, okay? Now they're going up against Ai, east of Bethel, near Beth-Avon. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all our people struggle to go up there. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Joshua cried out, oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you were going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to say on the other side, Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? But the Lord told Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things amongst their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now, Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Get up. Command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. In the morning, you must present yourselves by tribe. Now, now I'm going to take my time right here. This is the part that bothers me so much. There is sin in the camp, Okay. There is somebody that's causing the entire community to, 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 to be defeated in a way that they have not experienced. 
God is saying, listen, there's an individual among you who, who's not doing the right thing, but all of you all are experiencing uh, 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 some defeat because of it. And then this is, I want you to see how he starts to break down how we're going to get to this person. This is what bothers me about Achan. That's why I don't want you to be him. In the morning, you must present yourselves by tribes, and the Lord will point out the tribe to which the guilty man belongs. That tribe must come forward with his clans, and the Lord will point out the guilty clan. That clan will come forward, and the Lord will point out the guilty family. Finally, each family member, each member of the uh, guilty family must come forward one by one. The one who has stolen what was set apart for destruction will himself be burned with fire along with everything he has, for he has broken the covenant of the Lord and has done a horrible thing in Israel. Woo! This is a vetting process. Wake up, they wake up everybody the next day, and here we go. Early the next morning, Joshua brought the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Judah was singled out. Then the clans of Judah came forward, and the clan of Zerah was singled out. Then the families of Zerah came forward, and the family of Zimri was singled out. Every member of Zimri's family was brought forward person by person and Achan was singled out. Now, uh, most of uh, the scholars in the Old Testament feel like um, the way that they got down to Achan was by using the, the Urim and the Thummim, which in, in the Old Testament was uh, a divine way that God uh, 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 revealed what he was doing amongst his people. It was like casting lots. Okay what we would know uh, commonly as rolling some dice. But it was divine. Don't think that you can head up to Oklahoma later and see if God's moving. <laughs> okay, so anyway. So I want you to imagine somebody's holding some dice and you have brought the entire congregation of Israel out and you're like, come on, Lord, show us. Ha. Ah. And every time the dice roll, it hits right on the tribe, the clan, the family, and then the person. Here's the problem I have with Aiken in this moment. You know it's you. Why are we going through this American Idol process when you know it's you? The problem with people like Aiken is that they know what they're doing. <laughs> and they can see that other people in the community are suffering, but they never confess it until someone actually brings it straight to them to address it. My parents are in the front row. They would know if I'm lying. They would. <laughs> there has never been a time in my life when I got caught that, I, that, that they ever had to go three or four weeks trying to get something out of me. If they caught me, I was like, I did that. I, I did it. Shouldn't have done it. Did it. And mama, you know, the Holy Spirit's always talking to her. And so that used to bother me as a teenager. And she'd be like, you know, I feel like the Lord. I was like, I did it. <laughs> My mom would come to me 
And uh, she had this phrase that, that used to bother me as a teenager because when, when, when confronted, she would prep me for the truth by saying this. Can you say before God? Which would have been enough. And all the holy angels. Like, why you throw the angels in there? That's not even... They're inconsequential. Why would you have to do that? Achan is... These lots are being cast, and Achan is just... He wasted a dice roll right at his feet before he's like, oh, man. This bothers me about him. Falls on Achan, okay? Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Make your confession and tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. Achan replied, it is true. (laughs) I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon. 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. Lusted eyes. They are hidden in the ground beneath the tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. So Joshua sent some men to make a search. They ran to the tent and found the stolen goods hidden there, just as Achan has said. And with the silver buried beneath the rest, they took the things from the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites. They laid them on the ground in the presence of the Lord. Then Joshua and all the Israelites took Achan, the silver, the robe, the the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his cattle, his donkeys, his sheep, his goats, his tent, and everything he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achan. Then Joshua said to Achan, and this sounds so much like a parent, why have you brought, why have you brought trouble on us? Doesn't even give him a chance to respond. The Lord will now bring trouble on you. This is a parent statement right here. It's that type of question that doesn't give an opportunity for a response before the next statement. Why'd you do it? I bet you won't do it again. And you're like, I didn't even, I actually didn't get to, you didn't leave a bigger pause for me to actually tell you what I was going through at the time. Okay. Why have you brought trouble on us? The Lord would now bring trouble on you and all the Israelites stoned Achan and his family and burned their bodies. They piled a great heap of stones on over Achan, which remains to this day. That is why the place has been called the Valley of Trouble ever since. So the Lord was no longer now, 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 for, for all of the, the New Testament people, grace is here. Don't take me back to the Old Testament. You won't stone me. This is not about stoning. This is just about don't have the spirit of Achan. Let me tell you the issue with Achan. Please write this down. Achan doesn't value the community. He brings no value to the community. He actually takes away from the community. Here's the thing that's interesting. The first belongs to the Lord. When they went into conquer Canaan, the first territory that they conquered was Jericho. Because it was the first, it belonged to the Lord. They were not to keep any of the things, the spoils of war for themselves. Everything had to be consecrated and sanctified to the Lord. It was the tithe of all of Canaan. Achan stole the tithe. And when he stole the tithe, he put everybody under a curse. Here's the thing. We have some incredible 
tithers in this church. But if you're not a tither, my encouragement is you should start tithing. But if you are here for any amount of time and it's something is wrestling you down to where you can't be a tither, you're not adding value to the community. You're actually robbing the community from being able to do what we feel like God has placed us in this city to do. Don't be Achan. The spirit of Achan doesn't just withhold resources, it, re- it withholds talent. They are consumers. They are not contributors. The spirit of Achan says, oh, we're all going that way? What's in it for me? They show up to church to see what is going to happen for me. They never volunteer their time because I just need you to do something for me. And I fear that that we have a lot of Achans in the body of Christ today that just show up to consume and not contribute. They want to come into community, but they only want what can come out of the community that benefits them, not benefits everybody else. And then they'll stand around and go, I have no idea why we're being defeated. I have no idea why the kingdom is not advancing. Wow, we, 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 we might be going to, well, we, we, it's not might. We're going to three services in, in, the, in the month of January. Man, they, they need some more help. I don't know where they're going to get it. They need some more volunteers, though. Aiken says, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just here to consume, but don't ask me to contribute. The Lord's not telling me to do that. Let me pray about that. Well, can you just hold, open a door for one service? You know what? Let me pray. I'm not sure if I feel called. Aiken takes, he doesn't give. When you go to read Joshua chapter number eight, things change drastically. They go back to AI, they win, and they get to keep everything. If Aiken had just let that robe go, he would have had a wardrobe. It's amazing that, that, that the thing that the lust of the eye feels like it wants to take will not have enough patience for the Lord to give. Don't be aching. Point number two, write this down. There's two people I don't want you to be. Don't be Ananias and Sapphira. Don't be Ananias. Don't be Sapphira. Acts chapter number four. (laughs) Oh boy, these people. Acts chapter number four, starting at the 32nd verse. I'm going to read through five and verse 11. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no greedy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one uh, the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and he brought from the and he came from the land of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. But there was a certain man named Ananias 
who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was a full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. After selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. Now, now, pause. Before I, before I read this next thing, some of y'all might have felt a, a certain kind of way that I just read from Joshua. And you're like, we're under grace. Well, this is Acts. <laughs> that man has hung, bled, died, rose again with all power in his hands, seated at the right hand of the Father. Okay, already empowered the apostles, Holy Spirit that has failed. And you about to read something that feels so Old Testamenty. I just want to pause and preface it before I read it, because when you read it, you might be like, ah! <laughs> As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. I'm terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. What a church service. <laughs> this is scary. About three, oh, oh, poor baby. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. This is why y'all should come to church together. <laughs> I need to get y'all's story straight. I'm going to go to the nine, you go to 11. Don't do that. <laughs> Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied. That was the price. And Peter said, how, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? This is such a gangster sentence, this next sentence. This is so mobbish to me. Just forget about it. The young man who buried your husband <laughs> are just outside the door. And they will carry you out too. <laughs> Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young man came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out. Buried her neck beside her husband. Verse 11. Come on, community. Great fear gripped the entire church. <laughs> Can you imagine this? So, so, so let me tell you why I don't want you to be Ananias and Sapphira. Write this statement down. Anna and Sap. <laughs> Don't bring authenticity to the community. It's the pride of life. It's deception. I'm going to show up and be a part of community, but I'm not going to bring my authentic self. So let me see what's trending in the community. Everybody kind of 
kind of dresses like this and acts like this, I, 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 I'm going to act like this. Here, here's the thing. Pe- people were bringing, uh, 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 they were selling all of their property at the, at the beginning of, this was an incredible capital uh, uh, campaign, grassroots, to, to, to get a fledgling church, a newborn, off the ground. It, 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 was, it, was, a, it was a capital campaign. So, so people are sowing in. They're going, you know what, I believe in this community, and, and I want to see it start off right. I'm going to sell all the land I have, all the property I have, and I'm going to give it to the apostles for the distribution. I want to see this church thrive. I want to see it succeed. It's a great endeavor. And the, and the people that, that, that God moved on their heart to do that, they did that. Well, well here's Ananias and Sapphira. Man, everybody's giving up everything. We're not in a position to do that. But, you know, here's what we're going to write on our offering envelope. Everything. And when we walk in, we're going to walk up to the front. And we're going to put it in the heart for the kingdom basket. We're going we're gonna to get in the $1,000 line. Even though there's only $10 in this offering, I'm believing God for the other nine ninety. It'll come later, but, but I want to look like I'm a part of what everyone else is doing. And this is New Testament under grace, and here's the Holy Spirit's response. This is not the way I want my church to start. If this type of spirit gets into the foundation of the church, It will corrupt the entire thing. We are only five chapters into the New Testament church and what it's supposed to look like. And some of the founding members want to walk in and not be authentic, transparent, open and honest. That's not the way I'm trying to build this foundation. So I'm going to remove them now in a demonstrative way because I don't want anybody else to think This is the way that we want to build this. They conspire at home. Okay, um, uh, uh, everyone's contributing everything. Do do we want to give everything? No. Well, then they should have just said so. Peter said, you do know it was your money. It was your property. You could have done with it what you wanted to. And when you sold it, if you didn't feel like giving everything, you could have gave 20% and be like, hey, man, hey, I know, I know Barnabas just gave everything. I, I'm just, I'm not there. But I'm going to give you $200. Is that all right? That would have been okay. But the moment you started deceiving is the moment that the Holy Spirit started grieving. I'm, I'm being hearing everything in rhymes for like the last three or four weeks, the bars are heavy. I don't know what's going on. But the Holy Spirit started to become grieved because the, 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 the true mark of the church, when it's at its most beautiful and purest, is when it's authentic. Let me tell you what a healthy community looks like. A healthy community looks like uh, mature believers who, who have been walking with the Lord for a long time and are discipled by him and immature believers that are still trying to figure it out. A healthy community has has on fire faithful believers, uh, and it has some people that believe, but they still got some question marks. 
a great community has some people that, are, that, that love Jesus and some people that haven't even met him yet, but they like it in here. They're like, they give hugs. I just like hugs. I don't know if I believe in Jesus yet, but I'm coming for a hug. That's all good. Authenticity is where the true mark of the church should be. That's what makes our community attractive to the world. It's when it's authentic. When we put on a, a, a disguise, when we act like we're better than we really are, when we don't admit our faults, when we can't uh, admit, hey, I haven't, I haven't arrived to that point yet. I believe in Jesus, but I'm still struggling with a little bit of unforgiveness. I, I believe in Jesus, but, but there's some inner healing that still needs to take place. When we don't come to the community as our authentic selves, we rob the community of what it's supposed to be. And there's nothing more frustrating than people coming as our authentic selves and some people showing up in a disguise. It grieves the Holy Spirit. And, and, and you're not going to drop dead. It's not a scare tactic, but you are dying. You're not just robbing us. You're robbing you. And you can be a part of a community and still feel like you're outside of the community because you have truly never showed up yet. Don't be Ananias and Sapphira. Point three, write this down. This one is a, <laughs> it's a little interesting. <laughs> we don't actually have a name for this person. So I decided to just go with <laughs> the actions of this person. And when I read you this, you'll understand why point three is don't be nasty. First Corinthians chapter number five, verses one through 13. Here's what it says. Paul, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something that even pagans don't do. Now, you know, Corinth was just full of some immoral behavior. When there's something going on in the church that's not even going on amongst the non-believers. <laughs> Paul was like, listen, y'all doing some stuff. They're not even doing it at the club. I mean, what is... What is y'all, what are we doing? He says, can hardly believe about the, uh, uh, the report about the sexual immorality going among you, something that even the pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. Told you, told you, point three. Now you understand, you were like, nasty, that is nasty. Okay? You are so proud of yourselves as a community, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. And you should remove this man from your fellowship. Even though I am not there with you in person, I am with you in spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man in the name of the Lord Jesus. You must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit and so with the power of our Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Now let me stop right there. I just want to say something very quickly about um, biblical excommunication. 
There, there are times when it is appropriate to disfellowship someone from your community. Someone who is not submitted to the authority of their community, who is living in a blatant sin, who is unrepentant, will begin to corrupt other people in the community if that sin is not addressed. And under those contextual uh, uh, boundaries, it is very, very important and it is biblical to kick them out. Now, the language sounds harsh. Kick him out of the church and hand him over to Satan. Right? Because that's who he wants to hang out with anyway. So hand him over. And here's the thing. Community is so important. Here's what Paul knows. If you put them out of community and just let them do and be who they feel like they want to be, hopefully, once they get out of there, outside of community, they'll realize, I can't survive like this. Here's why support systems are so important. What we're really saying is you can't really survive outside of community. We need each other. And he says, no, 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 I'm going to put him out. And when I put him out, hopefully Satan kicks his butt so much he comes back in and goes, you know what? I shouldn't have. I'm going to stop that. Anybody been distant for a period of time in their walk and they realize I'm I'm out here and this is scary I need to come back in. Anybody beside me? Okay. You get to a point where you realize if I stay out here, I'm really not going to make it. I I, I would love to tell you that I'm so strong that it's just my relationship with Jesus and my Bible and my devotion time that keeps me. But my relationships help to keep me. It's the support system of the church. It's that rhythm of knowing that someone's going to be looking for me, checking on me, that I don't just get to hide in the back, slip in and slip out, but somebody actually wants to know who I am and how come I haven't been here in three weeks. Were you on a trip? Were you ill? Are you feeling okay? They're not being nosy. They actually love you. So Paul says, you have to deal with that. He says, you're boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this, that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? If we let this continue, other people will think this is okay. Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges hear me, indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people, don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning, I-N-G. Not people who have sinned. Can I just pause real quick? Okay, someone told a lie. Okay, they admit it. All right, let's get restored. 
A lie doesn't make you a liar. Lying. How many people in here have ever told a lie? I think that's 100% of this room. And if you didn't raise your hand, you just can't remember right now. You're trying to think about, well, which lie do you want to know about? Okay? He still got his hand up. <laughs> I love you, Lewis. Listen, a lie doesn't make you a liar. It makes you somebody that got afraid to tell the truth. Lying is an issue. Okay? Deception. We've all been afraid and not shown up as our authentic selves. A deceiver. I'm just going to, I didn't, I didn't hide myself because I was afraid that, that you would judge me or that I tried to, do, I just wanted to fit in and, and you know what, this doesn't work for me. Let me show you who I really am and I hope you won't judge me. That's one thing. But, but, but somebody who, this is their life, I show up with them. I have a different mask depending on who I'm with. I'll deceive you at church. I'll deceive you at work. I'll deceive you in a house. It's, it's, that, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle. Here's what he says here. This immoral behavior, if you've fallen into sexual immorality, if you've had sex before marriage, you, you, you've had adultery, uh, uh, here, here's what he says. If, if, if that was a thing, you can be restored for that. But if, you're going, if you come to church going, just scoping it out. See who I can get. See who I can hook up with. A lot of handsome people go to that church. A lot of, a lot of cute people go to that church. I'm, I'm going to see who I can hook up with. He, here's what Paul is saying. We're going to find you. <laughs> with your nasty self. We're going to find you. I'm going to find nasty. And I'm going to kick nasty out. Because if you don't kick nasty out, two turns into four, four turns into six, six turns into eight, then perversion takes over the place. And here's what he said. Hey, listen, when I told you to stay away from people that are sexually immoral, I wasn't talking about unbelievers. He, he said you'd have to leave the whole world to get away from that. So don't pick it, the LGBT community. They're unbelievers. <laughs> don't, don't get mad at unbelievers who are living together. They're in sin. What were you doing in sin? Sinning. <laughs> Stop trying to preach to people who, 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 who take shots at the club and get drunk in their house and they don't have a relationship with Jesus. You would have to leave the whole world if you're going to don't judge them. They were born in sin. They're doing what comes natural to them. He said anyone that calls himself a believer and is still doing these things, that's the person you don't hang out with. Because your lifestyle's not lining up with your confession. He says, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. But it is my responsibility to judge those that are inside the house. So here, here, here's the thing about uh, nasty. Uh, nasty doesn't bring purity to the community. Nasty is... 
blatant in his or her behavior to satisfy carnal needs in a consecrated community. Here's what he says. That's, that's, just, that's just not something we're going to tolerate in this community. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. These are the three things that, that harm individuals. But, but let me tell you something. They harm communities as well. God called us to be together. And three years into what we're doing, I believe God is strengthening our community. But let me tell you something. The way that we strengthen it is to make sure that we don't carry the characteristics or the traits of the type of people that the Bible so clearly wanted us to have a record of. Let me tell you why I know God wants us to show up as our authentic selves. Because he gave us an incredibly authentic book. If God was trying uh, 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 to, to write a narrative uh, that painted perfection, then he chose the wrong authors to speak through. Because they, they, they gave TMI from Genesis to Revelation. There were, there were, there, there were no edits in it to, to make people look good. It was like Abraham's the father of faith, and he's also a liar. David is a man after God's own heart, and he also had Uriah killed and took Bathsheba. Moses is a great leader in the Old Testament, one of the greatest prophets, and he also murdered a man and got so angry he struck a rock twice and didn't get to, get, didn't get to go into the promised land. Jesus is the Savior, and then he thought about not doing it. Like, the Bible's not editing. It's, it's authentic. So if it's showing up in its authenticity, we should too. Don't be Achan. Achan is the type of person that withholds his resources, his talents, his time. Because he's a consumer. I, I, what's in it for me? If it's, if it's not, if it's not, if it's not going to be about me, then I don't want it. Don't be Ananias and Sapphira. Just show up wherever you are. We'll, we'll accept you however you are. You come in here mad, we will love you with your mad self. You come in here sad, you struggle with depression, we will love you and hug you with your sad self. You have an issue lying, you came in, you were, you, you whatever, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we just don't care. You're on drugs, we do not care. If you still smoke, put the cigarette out and come in here. I know you be trying to spray to cover it up. I don't care. Just get this hug. The more you stay in community, the more the community rubs off on you. When it's a healthy community, things start to change. There's a lot of people, I'm going on a diet. I want to change my eating habits. Get around some real foodies. And that burger and fries you're about to eat will convict you. 
when you get around somebody that just has like some pita chips and some hummus, you'll be like, man, this is, oh, man. You're going to eat pita right in front of me like this? And don't be nasty. Listen, I got a degree on this one, okay? Molested at the age of eight, uh, uh, pornography at 12, highly promiscuous, all that stuff. Listen, the, the Holy Spirit had to free me from the filthiness of my flesh. It's just a thing. And God has no problems with things. There's a statement that's going around right now. It's okay to not be okay. Anybody heard that? It's okay to not be okay. Let me give you, you know me, I, I need stuff to really be contextual. It's okay to not be okay as long as you want to be okay. I'm not okay with people not being okay and okay with it. You, okay. <laughs> okay. It's, it, it's, it's not okay to not be okay if you don't want to be okay. It's only okay to not be okay if you want to be okay. Okay. God is strengthening our community. He's preparing us for some things that is going to blow our minds. Let me tell you something. And when we endeavor to be a healthy community, we have victories as a community. The church grows. We are all blessed. When somebody has a breakthrough, we all cheer and celebrate. That's what healthy communities do. So remain in community because by remaining in community, we'll be stronger as a part of it, right? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.